I think about Bilbo in The Hobbit. Did you read The Hobbit ever? Oh, sure. Or watch the time. movie, sure. Yeah. Uh, so when he left the Shire and the comfort and the safety and his handkerchief behind, he went out on this huge quest. And the best part in the story is when Bilbo comes back to the Shire and he's got a wagon full of gold and that's not the treasure. The treasure is that the Bilbo who came back is not the Bilbo who left. He's a different, better, pure, wiser, kinder man. And that's what the entrepreneurial journey provides for us, that kind of opportunity. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Kim Avery. Kim is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Professional Christian Coaching Institute and is also the host of the Bite-Sized Marketing for Christian Coaches podcast. Kim is a marketing guru, especially within the coaching world. So and she's just a gem of a human being as well. I wasn't able to be a part of this interview, but after it was done, my co-host John Ramstead called me and said this one was a home run. And after working on it, I wholeheartedly concur. Here's how John got that conversation started on this edition of Eternal Leadership. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Kim Avery. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Well, me too. So uh, just to, to let everybody know, when I was looking, this is a year and a half ago, um, and I was recovering from my accident, and I was unable to work part-time, and I had to get a coaching practice up quickly to support my family because uh, my wife had been a physical therapist, and she was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years, and she couldn't just go back to work. She has to actually retake the board. So uh, I was talking with some different people, and a friend of ours, Chris McCluskey, said, if you want to hire one coach who can really just help you uh, not only about put together the business of coaching and get going, it's Kim. And that's how we met. And Kim, you know, in the last year and a half, we've just developed a, just a thriving coaching practice. You have worked with uh, so many entrepreneurs, so many leaders, but I just want to give you a personal thank you for all the help that you've shown in my life. So uh, you're wonderful. You are so welcome. And it's been a joy every step of the journey. Well, you know, it's, it, you know, we were thinking about, uh, you know, we need to bring uh, Kim on for Coach's Corner and just sit here and, and, and go through some of the great questions we get from our audience. And Kim shared with me just some of the things that she's really learned working with so many entrepreneurs over the years. And if, you know, if anybody wants to talk to Kim, you know, as a coach, a marketing coach, you're going to hear why I worked with her as we go through this. But you shared with me some of the most important things, you know, building any company, building a business, you have to get the foundation right. And the foundation is 80% of the work, right? Like Christ talks about, you got to build your foundation on a rock, not on the sand. And how do you even know whether it's sand or rock when you're actually building it when you kind of don't know what you don't know? Absolutely. And, and you had some deep insights on really for entrepreneurs, people in business, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're running a large public company, uh, I don't think there's any difference in some of this foundational piece. And, and, and so that's what is, Kim is going to talk about today. So Kim, I'd love to just uh, turn it over to you. And actually, I'd love just give a little background about yourself, let people get to know you. And then uh, let's go through uh, some great teaching here today. Okay, super. Well, I am, and I don't know if you know this, John, but I am what I think of as the original accidental entrepreneur, maybe even <laughs> accidental and reluctant entrepreneur. Nothing in my background, my experience, my education really prepared me or maybe even desire owning my own business or becoming an entrepreneur. I come from the wonderful world of counseling, uh, still a licensed mental health counselor here in the state of Florida, although I don't practice actively. Uh, but somewhere along that journey, God called me into the wonderful world of coaching. And I was so excited, as I know you are, about the ripple effects it can have when one person lives their life on point, fully in tune with God. It doesn't just impact their life, right? It impacts their family and their neighbors and their church and their neighborhood. And it just goes on and on. And so just in a little bit of a naive state, I, th I know I was called by God, but I wasn't really thinking things through. I just leapt into the world of coaching, got certified, did all that, never realizing that the day I walked into my home office that first day ready to coach that doggone it, the day I became a coach, I also had become an entrepreneur. <laughs> How did that happen? 
And I realized now I'm all of a sudden a tax preparer and a website designer and a newsletter writer and a marketer and all of the different hats that modern day entrepreneurs or even ministry leaders and visionaries have to wear. And so I, I really came through the back door. The good news is that strangely, at least to me, not to God, I fell in love with the whole process. Uh, if I live long enough, I'm going to be a serial entrepreneur, I know, for my <laughs> for my whole life. And so the Lord blessed the business, and it began to grow, and other people started coming to me, especially Christian coaches, asking me to help them build their coaching businesses, and on it went. But I will say, John, that as time went on, I started to notice this, notice this puzzling pattern amongst each of these Christian coaches. And they were called by God. They were sure of what they were doing and, and what God called them to do. But after a little bit of initial success, things would happen. Not just mistakes that they made, but unanticipated things, family crisis, spouses losing jobs, crazy things. It's like Did you, did you find that some of those crises— as a Christian coach moving into business with this vision to make an impact, and all of a sudden I'm having these setbacks from the world was hard for people to deal with? Oh, exactly. Hard for them and hard for me as a coach who really wanted them to succeed. And this big question, I mean, it happened time after time after time came up, and I started wrestling with the Lord. Lord, if you called them, just like if you called me into building this business, why are you making it so hard? I mean, he's all powerful. I know he loves them. Why in the world is this such a difficult journey? That and is a you, great, that is the question sometimes, isn't it? It for is people? the question. And it's, it's the right question, I think, to ask. And it's important because we know the failure rate. Well, regular entrepreneurs of all kinds, 50% aren't in business 50 years. 70% have disappeared by the end of 10 years. In all honesty, for solopreneurs such as coaches, I think the statistics are even more dismal than that. But I know that I know that I know my God. And so I know he's got a reason. And so over these past few years, as I've really prayed and wrestled about this, I've realized he not only has a reason, <laughs> he has a really good reason. And if we're aware of what he's doing and his purposes in this, I think it will really impact those numbers and a whole lot more coaches and other entrepreneurs will understand, be able to cooperate with what God's doing and thus succeed. You know, Kim, as you're saying that, uh, and you've worked with these entrepreneurs and you're coaching them, when they get to that point where they're they're really, you know, needing to sit down and talk with you and say, okay, how do I you know, get some structure around this? How do I kind of make sense of what's going on? Where, where do you start with uh, with them in that process? Well, originally, I wasn't sure where to start with them other than mm -hmm. just prayer. Prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, let, me, let me back up, if you don't mind, just a minute. Yeah. There's a helpful metaphor, I think, for this business building for Christians. It's unique. That's different than what the non-believers go through. And it really goes back to uh, the famous ship we've all heard about back in 1912, the Titanic. And we all know what happened with the Titanic, but there's a little known part of that story that I think most people don't know. And that's in 1909, the telegraph was invented. And of course, it was a big thing. And the timing was perfect because the passengers on the Titanic were wealthy and connected. And what could be more enjoyable than sharing their voyage across the ocean with family and friends back home? And so they appointed this 25-year-old young man, Jack Phillips, to be the telegraph operator. And they made, in today's dollars, almost he made $50 every time they sent a telegraph from the Titanic. And he had stacks and stacks of these. So imagine him in the bowels of the ship, dedicated, committed, hardworking, doing his job, right? Sending these telegraphs. And so when the warning came in for the icebergs ahead across the telegraph, he ignored it. And another one came in, and he ignored that. Five different times he was so busy about the business of business, he didn't hear the warning for what was going on below the waterline until finally the sixth time he got a telegraph that there were icebergs ahead, and he finally put his stacks down and stopped and replied. And John, this is what he said. Shut up, 
shut up. I'm busy. Hmm. And eventually turned off the telegraph and went to bed. And I think it's a picture of what we can do as Christian entrepreneurs. We can live above the waterline. So busy about the business of building a business, doing good things, right things, important things, that we're too busy to hear and understand what God is doing below the waterline, the really important things. And when we understand that spiritual part of this journey, it really can save us from shipwreck. And so along with those above the waterline things that are so important when we build a business, one of the things I really like to bring to my clients is that awareness of this is a spiritual journey and it pays to be deeply engaged with your business partner, the God of the universe, while you go about doing what he's called you to do. Kim, you just shared that, you know, this uh, this whole vision of what's happening below the waterline. It's almost kind of like what we talked about before, building this foundation. And, you know, really, what you know, our audience who we're talking to is really Christians that are in business. And there should be definitely something different and unique about who we are in the marketplace. Uh, not just what we do, because a lot of entrepreneurs, business people, we focus on the doing. And I believe that's what you talked about. And what you're really talking about is the being. And what I've seen is when leaders are being that authentic person that knows who they are, understands how, you know, how God created them, and they have that relationship, now all of a sudden they have this deep well of, of wisdom and experience that can help guide every aspect of their company. And I've seen so many companies of, you know, people I work with, when they bring you know, uh, they transform the culture that's part of that company in alignment with their values, the values of the company, things that honor, you know, God and, and kingdom principles. Mm -hmm. The transformations in these companies, uh, Kim, have been incredible. From one of the companies we're working with, uh, their their turnover, they had a turnover problem. And the la once they've been doing this, and I'm really looking forward to kind of walking through this process with you, but their turnover has dropped to zero in the last year. Their oh revenues have gone up over 350%. Now, is that a result everybody's going to get? Uh, uh, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, uh, when you really have that relationship, right, that foundation of really who is God, who am I, what am I meant to do, then you're, you're in a position to really, the, the decisions that you do have to make every day. Uh, you have a way to think about them, uh, a filter to put over them on whether this is something I need to be doing. Is it essential for me right now? Is it good for the people? Is it an honor God or not? Because I think, you know, there's a lot of business people because, you know, we do traditional business consulting, too. Uh, they really struggle with some of those questions because I don't think they have a really good reference point. It's not that foundation. It reminds me of some of our maybe politicians, but I'm thinking more of rock stars and pop stars who quickly rise to fame and their lives disintegrate. We watch them explode or implode on the screen because their life can't bear the weight of the success. And so when we work on that who we are piece, our being, then when God blesses our business, it can bear the weight of it. And if we take shortcuts, it'll show up every time. Well, I agree. You know, I, I've always felt that, you know, success, however you want to define it, it could be monetarily or otherwise, and money, when you have it, it amplifies your character. And if you have cracks in your foundation and you amplify a flawed character, that's why you see these people both in business and Hollywood and music stars, they do implode. Um, so let's talk about how do you build that strong ship so you're getting the message and you don't say, hey, shut up, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> let, yeah. let, let's walk through that. Okay. Well, God is steering the ship. And so, but there do seem to be these five typical stages that he takes people through. And the first one, you know, above the waterline and below the waterline is somewhat similar. And I know you've had several really great guests talking about it. And it's really about vision. What is God's vision? And so the business startup, the typical above the waterline, is thinking about their business plan and their goals and doing some research and getting some basic things in order. Uh, but below the waterline, I think for the Christian, God is saying, what's God's vision for me? He really wants to build awareness of the way he's created us uniquely, 
um, and develop an appreciation for that. Galatians 6.4 in the message says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and sink yourself into that. Mm. And so you can add unique value in the world, and I can, that no one else has your education, your experience, your geography, your personality, your DNA. And I think it's tempting for the new entrepreneur to almost be a little bit like Miss America. I want to save everyone everywhere. And we all do. (laughs) And that's a wonderful thing. But that's not where our point of impact is going to be. Our point of impact is like a laser shining on one focus spot, taking our gifts, shining them on one group of people or one particular problem in the world and, and being willing to limit ourselves understands God's vision for us and saying, yes, I will live and I will die for that cause or that group of people. And it's tough. It's hard to turn down all those other tempting things, but it's a beautiful awareness to realize how God's created us and the vision he's given us. Well, you know that term, sink yourself into it? Yeah. You know, I think the modern term, Kim, would be, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. And, and how do you go all in and, and turn, you know, entrepreneurs, right? We're like, I'm, I'm like an idea squirrel. I mean, they're <laughs> everywhere. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always chasing them. Uh, my business partner says, you're like the idea fairy, and I'm the one that has to keep you on track. And, uh, but when you have clarity on what that is, that, that point of impact, I love that visual, and, and, and you're very clear on that, you know, then you can have the courage to go all in and make that the most essential thing and put these other things, these great ideas in your head aside for a second, Mm -hmm. or else, you know what, it's like uh, you can spread your impact across a very large, wide area, kind of like rain falling, and it maybe doesn't make a big difference, or it's like a lightning strike and it, or meteor strike, and all of a sudden there's, things change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to say no to all those shiny baubles, isn't mm-hmm. it? And all those good things. And I think this is ongoing as a sense mm-hmm. from our journey, because there's always going to be shiny baubles. And what's that old saying? If Satan can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Mm-hmm. And I think he really can limit our impact. And it's it's a step of faith. This is why it's a spiritual journey. It's a step of faith to say, I, through God, Kim Avery, can have impact. And I don't have to hedge my bets by keeping a foot here and a toe there and my hand there and doing all these different things, I can go all in in this one narrow area, dive deep, and God's going to take care of the rest of the world and he's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So once we have some clarity on that vision, we could do a whole podcast and we have just on getting that clarity. That last one that we did with Jeff Goins, if people really want to get some focus just on this area, go back and just listen to that episode with Jeff Goins. He's going to really help you just get clarity on this area. So once we have clarity, Kim, where do we go from there? Yeah, well, God takes us up one step on the podium, (laughs) and this step on the podium is called provision. And the question he wants us to answer is really, what is God's provision for me? So above the waterline, you know, people are planning for growth. They're trying to get business, get clients, and that's all good stuff. And that's what we should be about business-wise. But below the waterline, all of a sudden, we're taking general truths, I found, that God has taught us most of us our whole lives, you know, that he is faithful, uh, that he's our provider, that he gives grace, that he is wisdom, that he's sovereign, that he's good. And it's much like I sat in biology class in college. I go through the textbook and I think, I believe that. I believe that. That's good. And then the teacher puts me in the lab. Those lab courses always sunk me, John. <laughs> I, I only saw my eyelashes in the, tele, in the microscope. I never could see what I was supposed to see. I had had knowledge, and, but I really couldn't do And when you're an entrepreneur, and you know this firsthand, all of a sudden you don't have the corporate margin, the provision, other decision makers. You don't have a huge bank account. You don't have a reservoir. You don't have other people to blame it on. I mean, it's you and God and no paycheck coming on Friday unless you do something about it and something happens. And now in this lab course about God's provision, he's saying, do you really trust me to be faithful, to be your provider? To be wise as your business partner, when you pray on Monday mornings and you say, what should we do this week? And I say, go left and going right really seems like the good idea. 
will you follow me? And so there's this deep intensifying of what I've known in my head that entrepreneurship is just an amazing lab course to really, uh, I don't know, have these things dig their tentacles deep into my heart and my life. You know, as you develop that relationship where you can trust, and, and, and sometimes that can be hard, right? It doesn't feel intuitive. You know, especially, right, I might have to make payroll this Friday. Right? At the end of this month, uh, uh, I, I mean, there's there's always these thoughts in your head, uh, you know, from the business side, I guess that above the waterline piece. Uh, and then I think it's inevitable in every startup, and you talked about how many companies don't make it, that the struggles come. And it gets hard. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's not easy. Uh, just even what we're doing now, there's been times, you know, we've had our, our bright moments and our, you know, our peaks and valleys in the last year and a half uh, with some things. And now we're, we're coming out of a valley into some traction in a whole new area, which is really exciting. But um, I, I think, is that, would that be one of the next stages? Oh, that absolutely is the next stage. And I've given it the glamorous name of suffering and struggle. (laughs) (laughs) That's very glamorous. Doesn't everybody want to go there? (laughs) Maybe you can call it the character building stage. There you go. Be euphemistic about it. And this is above the waterline. It's interesting because in those early stages, God's called us. And I think he wants to encourage us. You know, and so he gives us often some early success, positive feedback, that type of thing. And then almost every entrepreneur I work with, it's like it almost comes to a screeching halt. So here now we're at the top of the podium with two important who questions in our struggle and suffering. The first is, who is this God? Mm -hmm. The God who called me to do this and now seems to not be blessing my success. This is not what I expected. And then the second one, and we'll get back to it in a minute, is who am I in Christ that I can do this thing? So let's start with the first one, So mm-hmm. the, the suffering. When God calls us to be on mission with him, I don't know about you, but I have this unconscious, totally unbiblical and unrealistic, but this unconscious assumption that he's going to act like this divine snowplow and go in front of me and clear out all the obstacles out of my way because I'm called after all, you know, and so I'm going to go do this thing. And maybe the Apostle Paul thought that before, you know, God said, go out into the entire known world and preach the gospel. And oops, by the way, I'm going to put you in jail. Huh? What -hmm. is that? And when I work with entrepreneurs, I see when they get to this stage, crazy things happen, not just business, but all of a sudden their spouse loses their job or someone gets sick or unexpected things happen that pull them away. And the suffering is so bad at this point, they think, I must not have heard God right. Hmm. Maybe he didn't really call me to do this. You know, something's wrong. And this is where you see the huge drop off because it doesn't seem to make sense. The suffering that's going on with what they felt God's calling to be and the vision that they wanted to achieve. And I think what we miss is that God is about this business of world revolution, right? And it's really a revolution of human hearts. And it begins with yours. And it begins with mine. And we really need to understand that if we're going to make a difference in the world, we must become different. And so that's a that's a powerful statement. Say that again. Yeah. If we're going to make a difference in this world, we need to become different. So working with entrepreneurs and so many leaders, Kim, in this stage right here, um, what what is some of the keys you think for people? where they really had, you know, they needed to become different in what? Well, we all need to become like Christ. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a gap <laughs> mm-hmm. between all of us and and the finish line. So it might be slightly different, but I think this is that intensifying process you were talking about earlier when we're talking about who is God. And here's a small example. I have a four-year-old granddaughter, Peyton, who I think is the cutest girl on the face of the earth, but that's just me other than her sister, Paisley. Anyway, uh, Peyton's four years old and she comes over to Nina's house and she'll walk in the front door and she says, Nina, let's play hide and seek. It's one of her favorite games. And I'll say, absolutely, let's do that. And she'll say, okay, I'll go hide in your bed. You come find me. 
Okay. Well, it's, it's not a hard game. It's not really sophisticated, but I pretend to look and then I find her. In a sense, I feel like that's almost what God does for us in the early stages of this business building. I'm here for you, Kim. Come find me and I'm going to give you directions and I'm going to be here and I'm going to show up easy. But about a year ago, when my son and daughter-in-law, he was in the Marines, were living in California, my husband and I were driving down the road and we got one of those dreaded phone calls, the ones you never want to get. Mm. We were in the car together and so the the call comes kind of amplified over the phone and it was my daughter-in-law and all I hear is sobbing and then she says, Peyton's missing. Mm. And they lived in a two-story apartment and that clever little child had figured out how to undo the deadbolt locks on the front door and they didn't even know how long she'd been gone because they were upstairs and she had been downstairs, they thought, watching cartoons. And we said, okay. And we pulled over the side of the road and we stopped and we prayed with her and said, you know, here's, here's what you can do. You know, make sure you call the police, get all the neighbors out, do all these things. And we drove our home or home for an hour. We were planning, okay, you know, I guess we should get on the plane and go out there just in case the worst happens and they need us to be there. It's hard to know. They lived in a rough community off base. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's going to happen to a pretty little blonde girl. And so two hours later, she finally called back and said, they found her and she's fine. And I'm going to tell you, John, that kind of seeking, that's different. That kind of intensifying of my love for her, I will die for that child in a heartbeat. And God in his wisdom throughout scripture says, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. He finds value in the seeking. And so it's hard, like it was hard for Job, like it was hard for Paul, like it's hard for a lot of people, because in the journey, there is value as we continue to seek him and love him, however blindly, even in those hard places where it doesn't make sense. I love that story you shared. It's like a transition from going from something that's fun in games to a different kind of seeking that is totally relentless. Yeah. Nonstop and important, mm-hmm. right? None of us have ever learned anything important while we stayed inside our comfort zone. And we have a father who loves us enough to say, come and seek me outside your comfort zone. And so there's suffering. And then there's also the struggle. We didn't even talk about that. And I know you've touched on this in your podcast with a lot of people as well. There's that whole internal thing about who am I? And for the Christians, who am I in Christ? Who am I to be doing this? What will people say? Maybe I'm an imposter and and people are going to wake up one day and say, why would I do business with her? Why would I listen to her? And so entrepreneurs, we have to put ourselves and our message and our vision, almost like a newborn baby out there in the cold where people are going to laugh and ignore and trump on it and reject it and all of these things. And so there's this huge internal struggle going on that we, we almost don't notice because those voices in our head, I mean, the volume's turned up, but they've been there so long mm-hmm. all our lives that they most often probably sound a lot like our mother or father or someone in our life. And they're there. And and we don't even notice their voices. It sounds like truth. And if the entrepreneur isn't savvy, isn't paying attention to what God's doing below the waterline, saying, you are a new creature in Christ. You are fully accepted. You are wholly loved. You have my reputation. If we're not paying attention to what he's trying to call us to believe and to walk in. This is where entrepreneurs don't quit, John. They just drift away. I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'll get on that soon. Or maybe I'll just do it this easier way. And they never intend to stop building their business. They never intend to walk away. But they just do other things easier things, because this requires so much of our vulnerable, authentic selves that we just can kind of 
put it to the side without even noticing what's going on. Those decisions that we have to make, I, you know, I've, uh, a mentor of mine a long time ago talked to me about, you know, John, there's A decisions in your life and there's B decisions. The B decision is what you're talking about. The voices in your head, it's the easy one. Maybe there's a customer I need to call or a prospective client I need to call and I don't know exactly what to say. Or I was asked to, somebody said, can you come and speak at this large organization? And the imposter syndrome, right, is, is popping up. And, uh, and we, we could do a whole topic on that. I think that is a huge limiting belief for so many people. But the A decision is the one that's maybe not comfortable. It's one that's stretching us a little bit. It's forcing us to grow. It's forcing us to act in faith. And if we can, you know, and this is why I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to have fellowship, to have counsel, to have, be in a mastermind group, to have other people around you to help you, you know, frame up, is this, this decision right here, is it really an A decision or is it, or is this something that maybe isn't essential right now? Actually, how do I, how do I determine the difference? And if it is the A decision, it's maybe not comfortable. It is maybe a step in faith. Uh, maybe it's something I don't like to do, but it's something I am going to do. And I think it gets back to what you're talking about with vision, because I know why I'm going to do it. Um, and I, I think that's why that, that first step of your platform is so important, because I, if I don't have that framework about what's your personal why, what has God called you to do, is that a decision that seems uncomfortable? Is it in alignment with what that looks like and where you want to go? And if it is, you know what? You need to find the courage. You need to find some friends to help you. You need to find some resources so that that A decision then becomes the easy decision. But generally, the first time you do it, that it's the harder decision. Oh, yeah, always. And I think that, like you said, that A decision, that vision, it's almost our stake in the ground. If we truly can revisit that stake and say, yes, God called me to do this, we ask the question somewhat differently. If I'm not sure, I'll say, if he called me to do this, maybe I would do that. But if I know he called me, I say, since he called me to do that, mm -hmm. what will I do? And it's just a whole different way of going about it. And so one of the things I do is I have a Monday morning meeting with God because he's my business partner. Actually, it's his business. I'm his partner. Um, and so I sit down and I have a series of things that we talk about in our Monday morning meeting about how the week is going. But one of them is about... What is one hard thing I've been procrastinating on? Because inevitably, it's one of these identity struggle things for me that unless I consciously bring that to mind, what if I've been procrastinating? I can keep procrastinating, not even notice that I haven't called that customer back, that I haven't made that tough decision yet where I don't know whether to go right or left. And so by bringing it up to God every week, he's always faithful to say, oh, yeah, let's work on that one. <laughs> and so it becomes an A decision again. And then once it's in my conscious awareness, that's 80% of the battle, I think. Well, you know, it's something we all struggle with. I'll just share, you know, personally, just right now, that A decision I'm struggling with, and it really comes back to imposter syndrome. You would think with all the work I do and the, you know, the what I've done in my past for the last 25 years, but it's in public speaking, Kim. I've been able to give a number of speeches where people have asked me in and it's always been great and have feedback and people engage, uh, but to actually go out and proactively do that. I, you know, I keep thinking to myself, you know, I, and I know it would grow our business. I know it would impact lives. I know it's perfectly in alignment with the vision God's given me, but I keep, you know, coming back. It's like, you know, who am I to go talk to a group of a hundred CEOs? Who am I to go you know, uh, go talk to this conference and, and, you know, run the breakout session. Do I have, do I have, do people think I'm credible? I'm thinking about all these worldly identity things. Am I really credible enough? Is my message good enough? Am, am I going to open myself up to criticism? Or what if people look at me and just go, you know, who, where'd they get this guy? <laughs> Yeah, you know, listen so, to the who's. Yeah, who, who, who. Yeah. So, you know, just being real transparent, I think it's something we all struggle with. And, you know, I actually, I, I, I just sat down and pulled together two of the people on my personal board of directors. And I, I, I just had some clarity that this, why haven't I been doing something that I know God has called me to do? I can tell you three or four things that he's really put in front of me just in the last couple of weeks. It's really pushing me 
in this direction, do this more. And just to have some people to talk that through and just share things from my past and what I'm thinking about it, get their advice and get their input for me was so helpful. So this isn't, you know, I think the prayer time is so essential. I, I think on top of that, having other people that share your faith, share that relationship that are on the journey with you to share that with, God can use that just as much, I think, sometimes as, as that one-on-one -on -one prayer time. Yeah. When Satan's a liar and the father of lies, right? And we, mm -hmm. when they're in our head, they sound like truth. But when we say them out loud to an accepting group, it all of a sudden we realize, well, that's not true. Well, that's great. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? And it really exposes, I think, those false messages he's been giving us. You know, haven't you seen, Kim, that's, not, that's some of the most powerful conversations you have with coaching? Oh, yeah. It's just somebody just sharing out loud all these doubts and fears. They've been thinking about it in their head, but finally they verbalize it. They hear themselves say it, and then they real. then all of a sudden, everything that's been holding them back just it's like somebody tears away the blanket and they go, wow, uh, I'm so glad that I was able to ha have somebody to just have this conversation with because now I know what to do next. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And that's that below the waterline that, that a lot of people don't take advantage of what God's doing because we could just try harder. If it's going to be, it's up to me and dig deeper. Yeah. But until we expose the mindset that's sabotaging us, we're never really going to make progress. And like mm -hmm. you said, all it takes is that safe, trusting, wise. I think a coach is a good person. They're trained to bring that out. But you and I are probably prejudiced and <laughs> think coaching is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But, yeah, I absolutely agree. So, you know, somebody's really maybe coming to grips with this you know, the struggles and suffering. Cause you know, I don't think this is just like one period. You start a business, you have struggling and suffering, you kind of reconcile it. And then, man, then I jump in behind the snowplow, <laughs> right? <Gone. laughs> I think it's almost like we go from struggling and suffering to a success, right? Mm -hmm. Struggling and su suffering is the failure that we have. We want to fail forward. Like John Maxwell says, right? That in that period of time, we're failing forward as an entrepreneur. Uh, in this world, and then we move to success. And then how do we, you know, what do we do from that phase? Yeah, so the good news is, at least in the entrepreneurial journey, I've seen that when we go back down the ladder, and so now we're answering some how questions, you know, there is a stage of success. And, and the question, it kind of mirrors the other step on the other side. It's about provision. How can I steward his provision? And like you said, there's always learning and growth, but there often comes a point in somebody's business where they think, by golly, I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> business is going to make it. And, and you can breathe a little bit easier. And, and God does start to show you and you can see how the income is going to keep coming in or business is going to keep coming. And so during that time of success, it's interesting because it's wonderful. It's like the harvest has come in. You've done all the planting and weeding and watering and all that good stuff. But there's danger. There's always danger. And below the waterline, I think about Israel. The times they were most prone to run away from God in the Old Testament were during times of prosperity and success. And so we can't just sit on that platform above the waterline and think, okay, how do I manage success? How do I get more business and even more fame and spend my money and, and grow the business and get distracted with that? There's lessons of success, I think, that we need to be willing to learn how to uh, stay deep in our relationship with God and go deeper, how to invest in ourselves and grow our talents and our skills more deeply, how to get personal spiritual retreats and make sure that stays at the forefront of our success, that our success is a little bit different than the world's success. It's not just financial. It's also very spiritual and personal. Um, and I think that step is where the world usually stops. I'm at success. I'm managing success. I'm good to go. Uh, but I think there's there's one more stage for the Christian entrepreneur, and that's that last step down, which is also a how. And it's it's how do I steward God's vision? And so we're back down and we're experiencing success and hopefully staying close to the Lord. And there's a temptation, and you've seen this and I have in Christian leaders and ministry leaders, for all of a sudden them to just go crazy adrift you know, have an affair with somebody, make some crazy life decision at the pinnacle of everything all of us would ever want in terms of impact, 
success, seeming relationship with the Lord, and they go astray. And I think God wants to teach us below the waterline that we're not just stewards of his provision of his vision. So for me, if the vision is to help Christian coaches and other entrepreneurs be successful, it's really his vision and not mine. And so here's a small example. How would I steward this? Recently, I uh, invested in an expensive training opportunity to learn some skills and knowledge that I thought would be helpful to my clients. Uh, So I invested my money, I invested my time, and I learned all that. And happily, out of generosity, I was sharing this information and this knowledge with a colleague of mine. Happy to do it. Um, So a client came to me just a few weeks later and said, oh, I really need help with thus and such. And I thought, by golly, I know that, you know, I had invested, I trained, I had the knowledge, I had the tools, I was ready to help them. And I'm like, terrific, I can help you with that. Oh, no need. So and so is going to help me, I'm going to hire her. And it's the person I had freely given the information to and freely shared the knowledge with. And so I found myself faced with an interesting choice right there. Hmm. Am I going to build Kim's kingdom? Or am I about building God's kingdom? Is my vision for my client to succeed? Or is my vision just for my clients to succeed when I'm the one helping them succeed? Do you feel the temptation there just to have hurt feelings or say, well, they learned that from me, so I know it better than they do, or, you know, whatever it was. But Isaiah 26, 8 says, your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. And so I think great entrepreneurs and ministry leaders and visionaries and business people, they realize that at some point at success, God's answering the vision beyond us. And that's a good thing. That it's okay to recede in the background. It's okay not to get credit. It's okay to give away our knowledge, our money, to give back to charities with no credit going to us. And the list could go on and on. And so I think I think we're faced with a choice as Christians where Satan tempts us to say, continue building this kingdom and make sure you kind of get credit for it too. Yeah. Versus just build the kingdom the way God asked you to. You know, as I think about, you know, some of these leaders you're talking about this, you know, you get to the stage where you almost, you just go off the rails. And mm-hmm. and I'll just share from my life, you know, it was all about the success. When I got out of the Navy, Kim, um, you know, and this is where I realized that the marketplace can be such a powerful place for ministry. It was actually in the marketplace with the, I was not a believer. It was this first group of mentors that I had that actually led me to the Lord. And for the first couple of years, I was absolutely on fire. And I had some serious struggles. And I got to tell you, it was easy to sit down and pray because, man, did I have a prayer list, right? You know, bless my finances, bless this deal. I, I need to find this resource. I mean, I had a list and I would pray and God would answer it. And all of a sudden, things got better. And then I didn't have as many problems. I was looking at God as my partner to fix the problems versus my business partner. Uh, that you talked about, right? You sit down and have your meeting with your business partner on Monday mornings. And as I had more and more success financially, being recognized, being promoted, starting to run companies, I slowly kind of, I, I didn't feel like I needed to be in prayer as much. I didn't feel that the urgency or the need to do that. I started giving myself some credit. And where I was four years ago when I had my accident, and I've shared this on other podcasts, but I was just in this place where I was just the smoldering discontent. I was not happy. I was not connected with a personal faith with God anymore. And I didn't, I don't, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it because just like a plane, right? If you're, if you're, if I'm flying from Denver to Hawaii and I'm just one or two degrees off course, I'll end up thousands of miles away from Honolulu. So I was thousands of miles away from Honolulu and didn't even know it. I actually thought I was on course. And I think all of a sudden you're so far drifted off that true north that now all of a sudden, some of the decisions that we make, it's because it's now all in our own head, it's easy to rationalize, it's easy to justify. So I would love to circle back here. And when you're working with people, and as you're coaching them, and they move from the struggle and some of these failures, and man, things are looking good, and they're starting to succeed. How do they keep that same level of urgency 
to develop that relationship, to be in that prayer time when a lot of their, I guess, needs, let's say, materially financial, because that's why we're in business, are being met. A lot, some of our personal needs, right? We're being recognized by the world. Some of that things that, you know, maybe build our self-image, self-esteem or are coming from outside of us and, you know, we're liking it. Yes. So how, how do we stay connected? Because I think uh, from a spiritual journey standpoint, you know, great success can be, can be very, is something we have to be very careful of very dangerous from, a, can, from, from that relationship standpoint absolutely and i think back to god and israel saying you know bind these things on your forehead and put tassels and talk to your children on the way and put up memorial stones and god knows that we're forgetful people we forget how needy we are we forget how beautiful he is and so to me and the clients i work with it's you know while we're thinking about it what what can we do? I think of it as put up the bumper pads on the bowling alley of life. You know, what can I put in place so that I can't go in the gutter even if I want to? What kind of accountability partners? What kind of habits can I build into my life? What is it that reignites my love for Jesus? How can I guard my time? Because I can spend it all doing good ministry things and none of it with him. And so it takes a fierce commitment and constant reminders and people who love you enough to say, Kim, get over yourself. Mm. <laughs> you know, you've just got to take a deep breath. And I think we'll battle it our whole lives because pride's right, that original sin, and it'll, it'll always be there. But again, like all of these phases, John, I think awareness that, oh, Things are successful, so I should be paying attention to so that Satan doesn't sneak up on us and we can plan ahead. I think that in and of itself makes a huge difference. You know, I, I you know, you talked about uh, what bumper pads, right? Yeah, bumper cards. Uh, Ford Taylor, who we had on the podcast, uh, he has a concept that he teaches in leadership. He has both what he calls the stained glass and the plain glass version. But part of his leadership training, Kim, is actually having what he calls a bumper buddy. So, and, and for me, you know, go, uh, I've actually created my personal board of director, directors because I actually, you know, had some time and I looked back at what were the areas of my life in the past and success that led me away. I didn't have somebody in my life that was, that I was involved in their life and they were involved in my life where they could say, you know, hey, like, you know, John, you're upset at this person who took your materials and got a client. Okay, where is that really coming from? You know, what is this doing to your relationship with God? Are you viewing God as, as uh, you know, this is a missed opportunity? Or are you serving a God of abundance and you're serving a vision that he gave you and you, you served this person and she was able to get income from that, right? So it, it's all about keeping your perspective on what's important in, the, in your perspective on that relationship with Christ and growing, continuing to transform that heart. But I think that whole concept of a bumper buddy and having somebody that you're being open with and authentic with and sharing with, as you're, especially going through the good times, is really critically important for us. Yeah, amen. And that's what my coach does for me. And hopefully, Lord willing, that's what I do for my clients. You know, with their permission, may I be honest with you, this is, this is what I see. Um, and that's why this isn't just a journey about business. This is a journey of transformation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as we wrap up here, Kim, what are some final thoughts as people have been listening to this whole conversation you'd like to leave with people? Yeah. Well, if people listen to this conversation, you know, they may be a little discouraged about going into business for themselves because it, it is hard in some ways. It is challenging without all our margin and safety mechanisms removed. Uh, but it is the most exciting quest uh, out there. I think about Bilbo in The Hobbit. Did you read The Hobbit ever? Oh, sure. Or watch the movie? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so when when he left the Shire and the comfort and the safety and his handkerchief behind, he went out on this huge quest. And there were orcs and goblins, but there were fairies and there were elves, you know. But there was Gandalf the wizard who always was there just in time with the right answers and the right resources to encourage him and to keep him company. And the best part in the story is when Bilbo comes back to the Shire and he's got a wagon full of gold and that's not the treasure. The treasure is that the Bilbo who came back is not the Bilbo who left. Mm. He's a different, better, pure, wiser, kinder 
man. And that's what the entrepreneurial journey provides for us, that kind of opportunity. And if you'd like more information about Kim, her coaching, her podcast, just go to our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 085. That's eternalleadership.com slash 085. And there we'll have all those links and a lot more. Eternalleadership.com slash 085. And if you're listening on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, that link is embedded in the summary of this MP3. As I said at the top, Kim is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Professional Christian Coaching Institute. If you've ever thought about getting into coaching, be sure to consider PCCI. It's where John got his certification. And even if you're in a field where getting a coaching certification may benefit you, um, you might want to consider PCCI. Actually, John, Kim, um, the PCCI president, Chris McCluskey, and an Eternal Leadership listener and coach, Bill Edmonds, they've been encouraging me to do so as they've said the financial advisors that bring the coach approach to their business, it's revolutionized their practices and how they communicate with clients. So I'm going to be doing it. So be sure to look for that link to the Professional Christian Coaching Institute in our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 085. And speaking of Chris McCluskey, we'll be featuring him in a couple weeks on episode 87. Can't wait for that one. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Bruce Van Horn joins us. If anything good did happen, then I could not celebrate it because it certainly would not last long. Mm. Uh, I had lost most of my friends just because I had become such a negative, pessimistic, cynical, sarcastic person. Um, yeah, I had people who called me Eeyore, and mm. you know, I was just unhappy. Bruce is very open and vulnerable about his journey from deep depression to where he has gotten now in terms of coaching, in terms of writing books, in terms of having a pretty massive social media following. This is a really good one for John Ramstead. I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.